Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us has taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the Finding God Podcast, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Laura, and I love her story because she was an atheist, and it's amazing how God worked things out so that she found God. So without further ado, here's the interview that I did with Laura about how she found God. Hello, Laura. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing great. And I would like to welcome you to the Finding God podcast. I am super excited that you could join us. And I'm amazed that you are from Australia and we are talking. <laughs> so That's quite funny indeed, because I'm the following day and then you and we can still talk. That's great. It is. I think it's awesome what technology allows you to do and who you can reach out to and talk to and not even be in the same continent. So I think it's awesome. Absolutely. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you my introductory question. I ask everybody. So that question is, what was your childhood like? Okay. So my childhood is interesting in the fact that I grew up in an atheist family. So really anti-God and Although I grew up in France, which is traditionally a Catholic country, I had this idea that, you know, churches were for old people, you know, like a few old grannies going there and the old priests, you know, dressed in a weird way. And I was about all I knew about it. And a significant event, I think, when I was a young child is that I had some friends going to catechism. And they came to school and they were very excited about the stories they had heard and they were like, you know, God's created the world in seven days and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's a cool story. I was, you know, about six years old or something like this. And I went to my dad and I said, dad, you know, the other kids at school, they said that God created the world in seven days. And he was like, okay, no, 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 nonsense in my house. So he sat me down, he opened his book and he told me about the big bang and and everything and since then it's just been that you know so it was science it was you know uh, the big bang and and everything and i really grew up in that mindset that there was no gods that it was all about science and um I, i grew up really with this mentality and when i actually became a professional and started to work 
uh, I was working for the government and I was implementing educational program. And my mindset was to turn people away from what I call their superstitious belief. So I was basically a soul, uh, really anti-God. Like I was an enemy of God. I didn't know him. I just, I just didn't. And several times, because I was, I was a very uh, academic person. Like I, I learned a lot of things. I was really interested in knowledge. And um, I, I was really wrestling with this idea because I knew some people were believers. And I'm like, how can they even conceive like for me, it was like believing in Santa. It just couldn't, I, I really didn't make sense. And um, twice in my teenage years, I lost someone. My, my grandfather passed away. And then one of my friends actually from school passed away, which is really difficult as a teenager to right. make sense. And I remember wrestling because somehow I wished I could have believed in something because otherwise right. it's unbearable. It is really unbearable to lose someone and believe there's nothing. Right. It, it was really hard. And still at that time, I could not, I just could not perceive God. And maybe on an interest, interesting note, I actually knew the Bible very well. So oh, wow. I remember in high school, I, com I was commended by my Latin teacher. I was studying Latin and Greek. So obviously, when you study these two languages, there is a lot of references to the Bible and she was asking a lot of questions and I knew it very, very well. I had read it and I could not see God at that time. I was 16 or 17. I knew the Bible and I, I could not see God in it. So that's, I think, the, the yeah, really where I come from is really a world completely without God. Wow. Um, so, yes. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Where, so you mm. said something that you knew the Bible very well. Mm. And so I guess my question is, what made you kind of read the Bible, look at it, or even have an interest in the Bible at that time? Um, yeah, I think it was a knowledge point of view, um, because as I said, we're studying Latin and Greek. Right. And in the dictionary, there is a lot of uh, examples to help you understand the the Greek words or the English or the sorry the the Latin words, and it was a lot of examples from the Bible. So I had all these these scriptures in the in the original Greek or, or Latin, uh, which I knew like the Beatitude. I knew it in Latin, and <laughs> to this day I still remember it because we 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 translated it, you know, so, uh, in my memory. Yeah. Uh, so on a knowledge point of view, um, I think that was. Something and, and even our teachers, like they were completely unbelievers, but they're like, you know, um, for, for general knowledge, it's important to know the Bible because there's a lot of expressions that come from it. There's a lot of uh, literature that has been written from it, a lot of movies, a lot of whatever. So, but it was, it was culture. It was knowledge. That, that's what it was for me. Uh, and yeah, at this stage, I was reading it and I could recite it. Um, and that's funny because I think I, I can't even remember the name of Jesus being in the Bible at the time. So <laughs> and I'm sure we will talk about it later when I eventually found God, but it was a massive shock because I read it again and I was like, oh, wow, it's <laughs> a different book. <laughs> oh my goodness. But you know, the, the, the Bible says without the spirit of God, you cannot see God. Right, And this is exactly the situation I was in. I didn't have the spirit of God. I was raised in a family, in a 
environments that was really godless, where there was no God, and I could not see it, even though I had the Bible available. <laughs> but you know, it's like even with that though, I do see just by telling how you took Latin and you took Greek and you had to get to know the Bible mm. just by trying to do those classes, it's like God was still trying to get your attention. And he's like, Okay, she's into education, <laughs> she's into culture, so let's let's see if she'll yes. you know. So I find it interesting that even though you did not believe in God and you guys are atheists, how mm. you still ended up reading the Bible and kind of have yes. an idea of what's going on because kids who are brought up in church sometimes don't even read the Bible. So the fact that you were reading the Bible <laughs> lets me know that, okay, so, you know, God was still reaching out to you, even mm. though at the time you may yeah. not have seen it, but yeah, he was still calling and reaching out to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I had a Bible in my possession, which was key, obviously, later on. So yeah, it's, you, you will never say enough the, the importance of that and you know <laughs> give a bible to everybody <laughs> it might be useful one day <laughs> absolutely so i am curious tell me a little bit about your adolescence how did that go for you was it um yeah what did you do in your adolescence how was that for you because i know that a lot of times your adolescence kind of determine mm. if you're searching for something or if you're looking for something maybe mm. based on something that happened so what happened in your adolescence so um it was um a mix of everything i would say i i was very good at school and i just threw myself into that so that my, my education was pretty much my only world uh in terms of relationship i would say that um i was a little bit you know i, I was sex of the year i was you know like the, the super student whatever um but i i was in a way quite popular uh, for one of these reasons, uh, I, I think, and I was doing a lot of extracurricular and I was the lead role in the school play and all these sort of things. So I was a little bit the, the popular girl, but I think I was really struggling with a lot, a lot of questions and um, these two losses that I just shared before uh, were really a strong moment for me. And I wrestled with that for many, many years, like, um, you know, until I found God, because for all these years, I was really struggling with this void and the the horror. I mean, I guess losing my grandfather, that was kind of part of the life, I guess, you know, but still it was, you know, I still had a lot of questions in terms of the family dynamic and, and all these sort of things, but losing a friend my age, and I think she passed away just shy, uh, you know, of her 17th birthday. Oh, wow. uh, so, you know and yes and I was really wrestling with that that life could stop so brutally um and and get to to nothing and I think in my teenage years that was really something where I had all these ideas like you know what is the meaning of the existence why do we you know um I, yeah, I was really struggling. I was studying philosophy and I, I did teach philosophy for a number of years. And I think I was trying to find answers in the intellect um, that I could not like. And, and I was reading uh, all sort of um, philosophy, uh, you know, author. And uh, yeah, it, it's just, I was trying to find answers that I could not find anywhere. Wow. 
So I have a question. So I know you mentioned you're looking for answers. Mm. You're trying to find answers. What led you to God? Like, what made you think about looking at him as a possible solution or a possible answer? So that was that was quite unexpected, I would say. Um, I've had um, quite a rough uh, life, I would say. I got victim of domestic violence um, and I had quite a high career like I was having a like a six-figure salary I was working as an expat on a beautiful island in the Pacific it was you know like beautiful like in front of me uh, but the evil like of what had happened to me in my uh, relationship being a single mom trying to raise my children and then once on this beautiful high, uh, beautiful island I got victim of uh, harassment by one of my managers. Uh, it was uh, it was awful. It was making um, like sexual comment on my the way I was dressed all the time. It was terrible, and I was really uh, really struggling with that um, because I was like yeah on the paper I look like I'm successful. I'm earning all this money. I live in this beautiful place. I have nannies to look after my house I have a gardener to look after my garden I have a private beach you know like it's just yeah. um yeah on the paper it was a paradise but I was really struggling once again with the meaning of life and like what what is this world for what kind of world do I raise my kids in right. uh they were little at the time and um it was a country uh this little island which was quite religious. So I, I had local friends that were uh, believers, but, you know, once again, there was a distinction, you know, they were the expats, like the white people, and, you know, and then there were the locals that were living in little hatches in the middle of the jungle, and, yeah, they would go to church and stuff. So for me, I was still in the idea that, yeah, yeah, they have that because they have nothing else. Or, right. you know, there's this kind of a little bit condescendent idea. And this friend of mine, she was lovely. I mean, she had, um, she was living in, in, you know, a little two rooms house. So it was not even really a house, it was more like a hatch with uh, three boys and a husband that was sick and, and everything. But she was always saying, I'm praying for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're praying for me. It's very kind. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I could see that, yeah, she was very kind to me, but it was not making sense. Uh, still, I was struggling, and I remember grabbing my Bible again because she said, "Oh, do you read your Bible? Do you read the Bible?" And I was like, "Well, I have a Bible, yes, but you know." And I tried to read it again, um, and that was not really making sense. Yeah. And at some point, I, I really hit the wall, and I was really desperate. And I think I started maybe to have some, you know, really dark ideas, and like I, I could not see tomorrow. It was, it was really really hard um so i found myself completely isolated on this island because of the the harassments that my manager was having against me uh and uh, i remember one friday no i think it was a, sorry it was actually saturday evening and i was feeling really really alone and i was crawling through my phone contact list thinking i need to have a friendly voice i need a friendly voice i need a friendly voice and this name pops out. Um, she was the lady um, doing the welcome at the spa where I was going with my expat girlfriends. You know, it was a beautiful place. We'd go there, have a wonderful massage, and then they would have tea and tropical fruits. And 
and this woman was um, so welcoming and friendly and lovely. And she had this uh, accent from New Zealand. She was a Kiwi. <laughs> I thought she was speaking a little bit funny. And um, I thought, oh, she's, she's friendly. She's, she's very friendly. She's lovely. I'm sure that I can call her. And, um, you know, I, have, I, I need a friendly voice. and I, I need someone, you know. And I call her and I start chatting. And sure enough, she has this smile that just you can feel through the phone, you know. <laughs> you know that she's smiling and she's lovely yeah. even through the phone. And, uh, and as we talk, I remember that someday someone had told me, oh, beware, she's a Christian. And at the time, I, I, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, seriously, what? Like I said, if it exists... Like she's she's a young modern woman. She's she's white. She's blonde. Like seriously, like what's that? Um, but I'm talking to her and I remember these words and I'm like, oh, okay. So even though she was so lovely and everything, I, I become a little bit provocative and I'm like, so so you're a Christian, right? What what does that mean? Do you go to church? And I think I was teasing a little bit because I didn't believe that it was possible. And she's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. How about you come with me tomorrow morning? And to my surprise, I hear myself say, yes, of course. Sunday morning, 7.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when I hang out, I was like, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Oh, my gosh. Like, what, what am I doing? But... Then I'm like, look, I'm feeling very isolated. I'm feeling very alone. I'm struggling with all these things. At the very best, that's going to be a social event, right? right yeah. Go there, they'll have people. You know, what can happen? They're not going to, you know, go at me. So, all right, I'm going, I'm going tomorrow morning. So I go, go with my daughters, and they're very young at the, at the, at the stage. Um, so we go there, and it's a beautiful little tropical island church. So white wood, tropical flowers everywhere. The pastor is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops, you know. <laughs> and I knew him because his daughter was teaching my kids piano. Everybody knew everybody. It's oh, a small wow. island. So they also knew that I was a very atheist philosophy teacher. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I rock out, out to church. And this, uh, this woman, she sits on the second row, like at the very front. And I'm like, okay, everybody looks happy. Everybody smiles. Everybody sings. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. You know, it's nothing really threatening. Uh, comes the terrible moment when I see some of our students sitting at the first row of the church just in front of me. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> they will have seen me. <laughs> you know um but i was not expecting anything i didn't see anything coming and at this stage if someone had told me you're about to give your life to jesus i would just laugh i would have laughed and said yeah. you know what does that even mean so anyway the message starts and the preacher starts preaching and he's from america and he starts preaching from the foolish virgin and the wise virgin the parable and i knew it I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. And he's talking about the historical context and, uh, you know, and everything, the epistemology and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know all of this. I know all of this. And I really was not expecting anything. I didn't see anything coming up to that point when he says, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? And bam, like wow. the world disappeared around me. 
like literally there was nothing else around me it's just the dark and this voice that kept repeating and repeating and repeating Jesus is coming back are you ready and my heart was pounding in my chest and I started to cry hysterically <sighs> because I was like no I, I'm not ready I'm not ready I don't know him he doesn't know me and I was just crying like this on, on this bench. And I could not, like, I really, like, it was like nothing else was around me. When I got back to my senses, the church was empty. So yeah. it lasted for quite a while because there was obviously, you know, a song at the end and, and whatever. Yeah. And, and people leaving the church. But when I kind of came back to me, the church was completely empty. Uh, this woman was still sitting next to me and the pastor was standing there and he knew me. <laughs> You know, his daughter was teaching my kids. He knew yeah. I was a philosophy teacher. And he was a bit embarrassed, you know, he was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> bless him, really bless him. And he comes to me and says, well, I saw you came with a friend, so we'll let her, you know, tell you more about it. <laughs> and I was desperate to, to know, you know. And even this, this woman, and she's now my best friend, you know, <laughs> And um, she was like, okay, she was trying to kind of give me the terms and conditions or something. I'm not interested. Just just go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I <need to> know <laughs> Jesus. Tell me, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so eventually, um, you know, she led me into the salvation prayer, like the sinner's prayer. And it was incredible because I cried a lot, you know, again during the, the prayer. And he really felt there was a lot of darkness leaving me and it was something else filling me up and I could feel the warmth and the love and, and everything. I was absolutely incredible. I was transformed in, in you know, the time to, to say the prayer, basically, yeah. you know, a few minutes. Uh, that was incredible. And I remember just after that, the feeling that up to that point, my world had been empty. Right. And all of a sudden, my world was filled with the glory of God. I could see him everywhere. And I was just absolutely, you know, incredible. I actually had to fly out of the country a few days later uh, for a work-related mm -hmm. event. I can't remember exactly, but I was in the plane. I was looking and I was like, oh, God is everywhere. And I, that was that was absolutely a, a complete transformation. And I think really for me, when I read later, again, the transformation of Saul becoming Paul and encountering <laughs> Jesus on the road to to uh, Damascus, that, that's I, I had a similar experience, really. That's that's what happened to me <laughs> in an instant. That is amazing, though, because it's like you were there, you weren't expecting anything. It just took that one word, the one sentence at yeah. the end, like Jesus is coming, are you ready to actually get you to start thinking? And that's when everything happened. That is awesome. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And what's funny is that then I became friend with, you know, of course, the, the you know, other people in the congregation and, and they all say, yeah, it was surprisingly emphatic. The pastor at that time, we didn't know what was going on with our Baptist pastor. <laughs> So something, something happened. There was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on him <laughs> and was starting to, you know, go at me. And I was there to, you know, in the receiving end. So it, it was clearly a God-appointed moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Just the fact that you were there and you happened to call that lady and you came to church. 
That is so true. So let me ask you this. Did you end up telling your family about it? What did they think about the fact that you got a chance to find God and you met him? Yeah, so that's that's uh, really interesting as well. So I got I got baptized pretty much straight away, I think three weeks later. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell anyone up to that point because I knew that I would be facing a lot of criticism and opposition right. and everything. And I didn't want them to ruin my moments. Because pretty much I was like, yeah, when is the next baptism? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, so I got baptized. It was wonderful. Um, and then I told my, my family and as expected, they, they really didn't respond well. Right. Um, yeah, I had a really bad word from, from my family. Um, my father actually said, well, I'm not talking to you anymore. You're not my daughter. Oh, uh, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. Um, which... You know, didn't really surprise me. Like I, I was kind of expecting that. Um, my mom thought I was brainwashed, and she's like, "With all your education, you know, like how did they brainwash you? You, you fell into a cult, or you know, things like this." I think my auntie called me a schizophrenic. Like it was really oh bad words. Uh, and to that point, they still really can't understand. So that's a bit sad. My kids embraced it. They were they were little at the time, but I guess they could have rejected it. And they really embraced it. Uh, they really awesome. embraced it, which is which is wonderful. Um, but I remember, like a little bit later, I traveled back to my family, so back in Europe, and I went there with my kids. And at some point, my my father caught me praying with my children, and he started shouting at us. He just abused us verbally, like you know, wow. not none of this nonsense in my house. You're under my roof. You have to follow my rules. And everything, and my kids got get really scared because they never see their granddad, right. you know, that upset. He's usually quite a patient, quiet person. So they were like, "What's going on with granddad?" So I explained, "Well, you know, some people are really triggered by the Holy Spirit, and when they're not believers, um, it can actually really offend them." Um, but then they came to travel to us in Australia to spend a holiday with us, and at the table started to pray to give grace around the meal. And my dad started again, and I stopped him and I said, Dad, this is my house, this is my rules, and in this house we pray. <laughs> and he didn't dare say anything after that. Um, but I'm still, I'm still praying for them, and please pray for my family. Absolutely. Please. Um, recently I got married. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, after, you know, 15 years of being a single mom, uh, God sent me my wonderful, you know, godly, godly man, uh, wonderful. And, uh, so we got married and I told my parents, you know, if you come, just be aware that is going to be a Christian wedding. We're mm -hmm. going to get married in a church. Uh, the pastor who is officiating the, the wedding is a friend of mine and he knows that I'm, I'm really... <laughs> Yeah, no, really evangelistic and everything. So he's going to go for it. And uh, they're like, no, no, it's important. We'll be there. And uh, and my dad actually accepted to walk me down the aisle, which was incredible because he's never been in a church. Even for weddings, wow. he's always refused to get in. He didn't even want to attend. He was waiting outside of the church. Every every other weddings he had attended before his daughter uh decided that yes he will he will be the one you know walking walking me there to my to my husband and uh i was i was really hopeful um 
they didn't really understand i think the message but once again i remember reading the bible as a as a kid as a teenager not understanding so i know they're still in that stage um so i'm still i'm still praying for them um they're still yeah quite negative about about it but they're saying well okay you look happy all right (laughs) which is better (laughs) which is already better and I think that's the thing. Like, I mean, I don't think it'll be something that happens overnight, but I think that just seeing how happy you are and their defense is starting to come down. Like you came to your wedding mm. and when you came to your house and you told him about it, you know, he stopped mm. and let you pray. And even when at first he's like, you, you know, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. He's still talking to you. So yes, it lets yes. you know that after, the, you know, like 15 years in, even if they don't, or even if they're saying okay we're not into this you can see mm. how their wall is starting to come down little by little by little mm. just the fact that they're making steps exactly. in the right direction so i think that's awesome so absolutely let me, <laughs> let me ask you a quick question um if there's someone out there who's actively looking for god what advice would you give them um i think you know that this this verse in the bible that say you know seek and you will receive, ask, yes. and you will be answered, knock at the door, and it will be open to you. And and I think that's it, because I was in a place of desperation. And at some point, I just, I was looking, I was seeking, and God answered me. And I've, I've heard others saying the same, that in their time of desperation, um, this is where they found God, because God just caught them back. And and if this is you, you know, listening and, and wondering, I would say just just open your heart to him and, and you can talk to him and say, you know, if you're real God, speak to me. Yeah. Because I felt this is what it did. It spoke to me and it was just, you know, my whole world got transformed. And and it can do that with anyone. That is so true. And I love that too. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. And thank once you. again, I enjoyed having you as a guest. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Tina. It was, it was lovely. It was a, a really a honor to be part of your podcast and, and to be part of this community of faith and, and sharing the good news of God because, yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wonderful. Wow, what an amazing interview. I especially love the part when Laurie was talking about how she was feeling depressed, how she was feeling down and out, and she wanted to talk to someone. And so she was scrolling through her phone and she was like, oh, this person seems nice. So let me just call her because I know her. And I love that part because it lets you know that being a Christian is not about forcing God down people's throats. It's about showing God's love. If that lady had been someone who was very forceful and not loving, I don't think Laurie would have ever called her. But because she was a nice person, a kind person, she called her. And the funny thing about the story when I heard it, when she said that she heard from other people that she was a Christian, but the lady never told her that she was a Christian. And so it lets us know that we don't have to be forceful. All we need to do is show God's love and let God work with people, let God talk to people, let God find people. And all we need to do is be a reflection of his love. So this week, I encourage you to be a reflection of God's love and not try to force people to love God, but just show God's love and let God work with people and find people in his own time and in his own way. Now, the song we're going to listen to today is called Covers Me, and it is by our artist of the week, Sarah Reynolds. (laughs) 
Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Lorraine, Sarah, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email links in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.